Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, it's going to be a hot one out there. Yeah, and guess what? You're going to go sit in the sun. No, I'm, I'm looking at you across the table, and you're wearing a sweatshirt. Well, it's cooler in the studio. Oh, come on. It, you, it, plus, you got that beautiful shirt underneath that says Bacon USA. I do enjoy my Lehigh Valley and, and Iron Pigs And it's Zach shirt. Eflin, and I just want to remind the Phillies that ever since you got your Zach Eflin Bacon USA shirt, he has been dominant. So am I like a good luck charm? I think so. I think I don't even think you can wash that shirt. Because I was a mush back when I used to gamble, so I've got something <laughs> good going on now. <laughs> All right. Uh, you are going to spend tomorrow out in some heat a little bit, right, with your son? And, unless there's some magical storm that makes it cold again. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be 100 all weekend. And you're going to head out to Williamsport. Uh, talk to some Phillies minor league players with your son a little bit. Just a hop, skip, and a jump from Philly. Uh, we will talk more about that later in the show. Here's what we won't talk about. Yes. You're not going to want to talk about LeBron James. No, I don't. I don't. For, for everybody listening, I, I hope you can join us in, in going in a LeBron moratorium because I don't know about you, I am so sick and tired of listening to what is LeBron going to do? LeBron's at the beach right now. LeBron has a place in the Caribbean. LeBron has a house over here. LeBron did this. Le- LeBron sent a text message. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just gotten to the point where, you know, how, how many times do we have to go through this with LeBron? Well, th- this is what happens when, one, you have the amount of money on the line with these contracts you do, two, the opportunity to go someplace else and do something different, and three, the insatiable thirst for media members like uh, ourselves to talk about issues nonstop when nothing's really happened. I mean, nothing. You've had a couple players opt out so far. Okay. Nobody knows anything. No. It, until LeBron says what he's going to do, nobody knows anything. So the only LeBron talk I want to hear until LeBron says what he's going to do is whether LeBron's going to Lehigh Valley to play for the Iron Pig. They did have a, a good invitation to him. There was some basketball news in terms of opt-outs. Today's, tonight's sort of the opt-out deadline, and then the free agency starts at midnight tomorrow night. Jeff, will you be up at midnight after the Williamsport game waiting for <laughs> players to start I will signing? Be, I will be up, Blakely, driving back from Williamsport, but I will not be uh, sit, sitting there checking my Twitter to see if anybody signs at midnight on Saturday night because I don't think they will. So far, Kevin Durant's opted out in Golden State. Likely he'll resign. Uh, he'll resign there. Right. Um, Paul George has opted out of Oklahoma City. That's obviously the interesting name because he could go someplace to play with somebody. Not mm-hmm. going to say who. Um, that's really all the people know right now. Nobody knows if the Spurs are actually going to trade Kawhi. Seems like they ha- their outreach to him hasn't worked so far, and they're investigating it. Who knows whether they'll actually pull the trigger. And then, like, my question is what comes first, a Kawhi move or some of these other players signing that that force the hand of one or the other? That's really the only question Here, right now. Here's what I – if I were San Antonio, I would not trade Kawhi until after LeBron makes his decision. Because if if I'm – You're talking about LeBron, by the way. I know. I'm trying. Well, you're violating I'm not, I'm not saying, your own rule. I didn't even ask the question. Well, you keep going. We were supposed to talk about the NFL, and we're going down the road of of, of where everybody's going to go. It's very simple. As far as I'm concerned, don't let the Lakers have what they want. So don't don't make that decision until Jeff's after everybody else. The end. Yes. All right. That's enough. That's all I'm going to ask you about basketball because you can't help yourself but talk about him. Uh, let's talk about the NFL. Um, Jameis Winston, when the Eagles play Tampa in week two, 
will not be on the football field. Ryan Fitzpatrick most likely will as the team's quarterback because Jameis Winston now has a three-game suspension for what, Jeff? For allegedly assaulting an, a female Uber driver. That allegedly was in air quotes. Yes, it was. Um, you do not like the punishment, and you had a pretty interesting no, reaction. I, I, I'm, I'm tired of this. I, I, I've gotten to the point now where the NFL didn't know what it was doing, whether they were going to punish people or not. They've decided to dip their toe in and actually j- jump into the deep end on punishment and dealing with all of this stuff. And if they were going to do it, they should have had plans. I believe Roger Goodell's a lawyer. It's not like he shouldn't have thought of these things. He has a whole staff that should have thought of these things. It's not like domestic violence did not exist before they thought of these things. So you had last year, you had Ezekiel Elliott, and they said six games, and that was going to be the standard. From now on, it was going to be six games. Well, I believe Josh Brown ended up getting one game, and he had a diary that said what he did to his wife. And now we have Jameis Winston, who had something happen in college that seemed pretty serious. Plus, he shoved a bunch of crabs down his pants for some odd reason. You can't get past that. I think it's the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. And then more seriously again, now he's had this issue where he allegedly lied to the NFL about where he was. Somebody else that was in the Uber car for a while has contradicted him. And now he's come out with his act of attrition. And by the way, that's in air quotes because it was pretty lame for him to say he's sorry that he put her in that position. The position she was in was just doing her job. Okay, he didn't put her in any position. What he did was he apparently acted inappropriately by grabbing her. And for some reason, if I I mean, if I were Tampa Bay at this point, I'd cut him. They can cut him. And that's the end of it. He only has I think he has one more year left on his deal. But who cares? Cut him. If he wasn't considered a star player, they would. He's not a star player. And I didn't say he was. I said considered. I, I didn't say he was. And in fact, I think he's completely underachieved the reputation or the the prospects of what everybody said he was going to be. Yeah, but but he's had this is not a a one-time incident. This this is this is a problem that he apparently has and if you remember last year he made a comment about I think little girls or something that they should be quiet. And, and you know, I heard Damian Woody on ESPN earlier and his take was right. It, th- this guy's got to go. And somebody's got to do something about it. And the NFL's got to explain why he's only getting three weeks as opposed to the six weeks. Just give him the six weeks. And if the NFL Players Association wants to fight over it and wants to defend him, then let him do it. But don't sit there and give him three weeks. By the way, Julian Edelman has a four-week suspension for a substance that is not a banned substance because nobody knows what the substance is, but he's got a four-week suspension. How does that happen, and a guy who apparently assaulted a woman gets a three-week suspension? It just makes it look worse. And image in, a, in something, look, you, in your world, you know, image means something. And in the NFL, just keeps getting image wrong. I was going to say, it just seems like they keep getting it wrong. I, I know How many times can that happen? Well, I mean, when, when, it, when are they going to do something and you're going to look at it and go, there you go, you did it right. Whatever happens, you at least you try. So what would have been acceptable to you? If they would have come back and said six they weeks. suspended him six games, because to you the precedent was with Zeke Elliott. They said right. six they weeks. They said it was going to be six weeks. And that's, the, I mean, look, you come from a legal background. You follow precedent. Things that are decided before dictate the way things should be decided in the future. Uh-huh. It seems like the NFL has no precedent. 
Like they they but said they had it and they, precedent in this case. But they said it and then they change it. They they go by a, on a case by case basis, and I can't figure out what the criteria is to evaluate the cases. But but here's the deal, okay? So when 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 you negotiate, you want to have precedent because it gives you a bar to go from. Okay, you, you you know what your top is, you know what your bottom is. The NFL, everybody keeps saying that the NFL keeps changing. That somehow it's got something to do with the players' association. If they had a, a a a level like the six games and said that that was their minimum, they stick to it. It takes away a negotiating point from the other side. This just gives the NFL Players Association leverage because they know that the NFL cannot get its act straight so that it sets precedent and sticks by it. If you don't stick by look, we both have kids. If you tell your kid, look, if you don't do this, here's your punishment. If you don't then give them the well, punishment. My kid looks and laughs at uh, right. me, but uh, he's 16 months yeah, old. My, so. Mine's 16 years old. He does the same thing. <laughs> it, so it you, doesn't get any better for no, me? No, it gets worse. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it, it, you, if you tell them this is the punishment and you don't do it, guess what happens? You get in trouble. You get grounded. And, and, and they don't follow. They don't take it as seriously. So you believe the NFL should be grounded. That's the, <laughs> that's the Roger moral. Yes. Let's end it here with that because we have somebody uh, a little more fun and a little more important. That's the, the moral of the story. Jeff, why don't you introduce our guest? So, Connor, are you there? I am. So we have Connor Johnson, the newly minted head coach for the Delaware Blue Coats on the line. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Congratulations, coach. We're very excited for you. And, uh, we enjoy following what's going on with the Blue Coats. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about um, your journey a little bit? Um, you you actually started uh, as a graduate assistant under Jay Wright at Villanova. Uh, what was it like to get to learn from him before you got to learn from Brett Brown a little bit to kind of prepare you for this all? Yeah, I've been lucky to, to work for two great head coaches in Coach Brown and Coach Wright. I, um, I came out as a graduate assistant, like you said, for Coach Wright at Villanova. And they were really starting to build up the program in a, a way that I think they're all really proud of now. You see the success they've had with multiple championships, Final Fours, and that sort of stuff. But he was a great guy to work for and to really kind of kind of cut my teeth working for him and understanding what it takes to kind of connect with the players. And then from an offensive perspective, I think those Villanova team has been really great. And then I was lucky to go from there, one of the assistant coaches, at Villanova, Billy Lang went from Villanova to work for the Sixers as the director of player development. And so I was lucky to follow him. He was kind of my foot in the door with the Sixers and then spent four years working for Coach Brown. So I do think I've been really lucky to work for two great coaches in Coach Ryan, Coach Brown, and they're both having a lot of success. So when you got to the, when you got to the Sixers, what was your role? I came in, I was the video coordinator for a couple of years, and then I was the director of player development most recently. So I, I came in as the video guy working really closely with Coach Brown, all of his uh, video needs in that way, and kind of working as a personal assistant for him in some respects. And then just each year kind of grew in responsibility to last year I was the director of player development. And then now here we are, excited to be a part of the Blue Coast. What's it like to learn from that position? You, know, you often hear of, players who, who go different routes to coaching. It seems like your route um, took you to kind of break down the basics of everything from breaking down game film with a coach to the development role to the, the coaching role. Can you talk about how that's going to really impact the style that you bring now to your next job? Right. 
I think I think it's a being the video coordinator, working closely with the coach like that is is a great opportunity. Just to spend lots of time breaking down and seeing the game in the way Coach Brown saw it. That I think if I can just you know copy as much as I can, I'll have a really good start. But I was lucky to work for him and to see kind of like how he approached the game, how he saw things, and how he dealt with the team. And he's had had a great track record thus far. And, I'm excited to keep it going. I saw a quote from him when you got the job talking about the important role you played in developing the, the Sixers team culture. Can you talk with us a little bit about that culture and how you plan to bring it to the, the Bluecoats? Sure. I think that was one of, the, one of the main things to take away from Coach Brown in addition to his player development and the X's and O's, which he's great at, is the culture piece. And I think he's done a fantastic job of, of building a team where the, the players know, the coaches care about them. The coaches want what's best for them. The coaches are, are there for them more so whether or not they make a shot or miss a shot. And so those uh, those sort of kind of get, getting that across to the players and making sure they understand that, like, the coaches are really there for them is going to be important, and that's something that we're really going to try to strive to do in Delaware. One of the things that the Sixers did and Coach Brown led it was find other ways to engage the guys outside of basketball. We had team breakfast where someone would stand up and – give a 15-minute presentation on just something that was important to them. Ben Simmons did, did one on Australia. Guys uh, did different things that, that mattered to them that they wanted to share with the team. And those sort of ways to connect the team outside of basketball is something we're definitely going to do in Delaware. A lot of those kind of cool connecting activities are, are things that I'm going to steal and we'll be doing those with the Blue Coats. Are you going to be stealing those Australian meat pies and bringing them? <laughs> no, I don't know about that, though. No, Ben's, Ben's presentation on Australia was fantastic coach brown obviously lived there for a long time and uh he's got some some strong australian pride too but ben's just going through the uh the different animals and all the different things that can kill you in the australian outback and guys get a good laugh and it's really those sort of things i think add up over the years i imagine that helps with the team camaraderie to see the passion that each of the players have around their issue and for their fellow teammates to really learn something in depth about a person who they don't often talk to them about Right, for sure. And so much of the conversation is, is, is about basketball with our team. We think about basketball 24-7. It's constantly running through those guys' heads. But to give them a way to connect outside of that, I think, is really important. And that's just one of the ways. A lot of times Coach Brown will sit down in front of the team before we watch film and just bring up a current event and kind of get, get the ball rolling, get people talking about that. So I think he's done a, a great job in building camaraderie and building cohesion amongst the team. We've been lucky to have a great group of players in Philadelphia. And I'm excited in Delaware to kind of try to replicate that same thing. Well, not only did you, did you have a, a great group of players with the Sixers, but you have a di- you have a diverse group, and I think that's becoming more and more common with more common with more of the European players coming in, more players coming from African nations. There's there's just a lot more cultural differences between the players. How as a coach do you do you blend all of that? I think it's really important to get the guys on the same page. You're spot on that the Sixers have a strong international flavor. Sometimes we'd break up the baskets and we'd have kind of a shooting drill where it'd be the world versus Team USA. For us, it's an even amount of guys on the international team and Team USA. So those sort of fun things is one way to look at it. But I think connecting the guys and getting them together on the same page where one thing is just understanding the same language. A lot of these guys grew up playing basketball with, with learning basketball in a different language so getting everyone on the same page from a communication level and making them feel comfortable they're ready to talk and communicate on the court is really important and so we'll we're unsure 
exactly what our group will look like in Delaware as that roster kind of starts to form, but I imagine it will be of the same variety and it will be a, a priority for us as well. Uh, along with you as the new coach, the team will have a new brand identity. You'll have a new home arena. Can you talk about the excitement around this team right now in Delaware and the opportunity that you have to really get further engaged with the community with everything that you're doing there? Yeah, I'm really excited about all of that. We got the new building's going to be great. The new brand and moving to Wilmington is going to be great for the team and for the 76ers. Uh, the, the field house, the 76ers field house in Wilmington going to be where we play our home games, where we practice. It's going to have the same look and feel to the Sixers practice facility in Camden. So when the players come from one to the other, it looks the same. The coaches are using the same terminology, kind of nice synchronization between the two. But in the greater Wilmington area and in Delaware, we want to be a part of the community. I think as all programs should want to, we want to be a part of the community where people can come, enjoy our games, our players get them out in the community. We've got a great reading program. It gives away books every year and get our players out in schools reading to kids. And the field house will also house a lot more than just basketball. We'll play 24 home games a year, but every a lot of other nights, other stuff will be going on, youth leagues. There's soccer fields outside. There's soccer leagues, just a multi-sport, family-friendly uh, facility. And I think that's great for the community right on the waterfront. I think it's going to be great. So, so, Connor, you also have a new general manager. To, uh, to spend time with. What's it like to, to work with somebody like Elton Brand, a former all-star, first-round pick, and, and just general good guy as, as your general manager? It's incredible. I think uh, I'm really, really lucky to work for him, excited to work with him, with our team. Uh, he kind of comes full circle for us. Elton came as a player my, my first year with the Sixers. Elton came as a player. It was when we had a lot of young guys in Philadelphia. He was a, a veteran leader on the court. <laughs> and to watch his work ethic and the way he approached the game and the way he approached his teammates and as a real leader for those guys was great. And now kind of coming back full circle, working for him as he's our general manager, it's really exciting. You can, you can just see the investment the 76ers are putting into the Delaware program, having Elton at the helm. I think he's really talented in a lot of areas, and especially we, we saw his basketball career for a long time, but I'm excited to watch his management career as he continues to rise. But it's a great spot for me to get to work so closely with him and his perspective and his approach is going to be great. The G League obviously continues to grow, and it seems like it's a real focus of the NBA to, to get this sort of farm system up. Can you talk about the importance from having been with the Sixers, the importance of having a developmental squad like, like the Blue Coats there for you to sort of work together seamlessly to give these players some of the skills and time to play that they wouldn't get sitting on the bench for the pro team? Exactly, and, and that, that's our goal is to be the developmental arm of the Sixers so that when the Sixers are off competing for championships and playoffs, there's a lot of young guys who wouldn't get the same reps they would if the Sixers weren't doing so well. So we'll take those guys down to Delaware, give them game reps, give them some developmental coaching, really try to get them ready so when their opportunity is called upon at the NBA level, they're ready to contribute right away. So we want to facilitate and accelerate their NBA careers and make this a place where when they come down here, they're really getting better. Coaches are locked in on their development. So when they get a chance to go back up to the NBA, they're ready. But with the Sixers having the success that they are and that continuing to ascend in that way, it'll be really important for those young guys to get game reps with the Blue Coats. So I'm excited about that as well. You, you have the, the benefit of having coached, when you were up with the Sixers, two players that, that had uh, a lot of time with the Blue Coats' former name, the 87ers, and 
Robert Covington, and then Firkin Korkmaz, who we used to joke would seem to have a shuttle back and forth to Wilmington. Did, <laughs> yeah, did, he was going up and down. Yeah. He got miles. <laughs> did, did you did you learn did you learn anything from those two players about uh, that that would help you in how you coach them when you when you're with the Bluecoats? Robert, Robert's one of the poster childs for for the G League, and he he played in, in Rio Grande and Houston's G League team, and now to look at him being all defensive team and the accolades he gets is really incredible. So I think he offers he offers a good kind of a good goal for our players to watch his success he's had that someone can get discovered in the G League and then go on to have a career like he's having it is incredible. And then Furcon, I worked really closely with Furcon this past year in, in Philadelphia, and he did get a lot of time. You guys are right on going back and forth until he got injured. But I think it's really important for, for them to see the same thing on both sides because it's hard to go as a player back and forth from one program to the other, and that's why we're going to do our best they really connect the two. So it doesn't feel like you're going back and forth. It feels like it's the same team, which is different players, different coaches, running the same offense, using the same terms with the same cultural identity. So we'll try to keep that as synchronized as possible and make it easy for those guys so they can really look forward to coming down and playing Delaware. I hope you gave I hope you gave Furkan uh, an easy pass. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we got him going. Furkan's doing great. He just played yesterday. He's playing for the Turkish team, and they're doing their Europe, uh, World Cup qualifying. He had they a great game. Ukraine, and he, he played really well, shot it well, and it's, hopefully we'll, we'll get him here this summer to play for our summer league team. So will you will you be, have any involvement with the summer league team, or what will you be doing this summer to get ready for yeah, the season? Yeah, I'll be an assistant coach on the summer league team, and I'm excited about that. Our camp's about to get started in a couple of days, and we're going we're off to Vegas on Thursday. And then we'll right to it, and we'll get to see, see our young guys play, some of our, our new draft picks, and it'll be a really exciting time. Summer League's always a great time to kind of watch these young guys and see who might be the, the new stars of the NBA. So Jeff always makes fun of me because I DVR'd Summer League games last summer. Uh, <laughs> can you talk about the importance to player development of being able to go play in the summer? Uh, you know, it's everybody's like, oh, it's just summer. It's, it's not the same. But it seems like it really is an opportunity for some of these, these guys to transition into a league that they're just not familiar with in terms of the strength of some of the other players they're going to be against, the types of offenses they're going to be asked to run. Can you talk about that a little bit? I think, I think you're spot on. The, the summer is really important, especially for these guys who are just coming out of college, just got drafted, just got with the team, to, to help them when, when, they get to the, when they get to training camp in September. So for these guys, I think, as you mentioned, learning the game, learning the terms, learning the, the schemes that we use, it just gives them a real head start that they've had a five-day training camp and then played in five or six games. So when they, when they get to, training, when they get to the, the real training camp, they're kind of locked in and ready to go. I also think it helps them in the sense of just understanding what an NBA day is like. Like, what does it mean to go to NBA shoot-around? What does it mean to have an NBA practice? What's an NBA training camp going to look like? It's just kind of a dress rehearsal for when they come back in September that gives them just a little bit of an edge up that they wouldn't otherwise have had. So it's really important, I think, and just helping them be comfortable once they get started in September. Well, we can't wait to come visit in September when you get back and get started. Looking forward to seeing the field house and all the great things you do with the Blue Coats. Definitely keep in touch. Jeff may have one more thing for you. Uh, yeah, Connor, when, when we get back or when you get back from the Summer League, would it be okay if we send Jason's uh, videotape so you can help him with his shot? I don't know. If oh, we, 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 
we would I would do my best. No, of course. I think I don't know. You should definitely out. put that caveat I, on there. I don't know if your best is going to be good enough. It might just be for comic relief, but we'll work we, on that. We have we, we have the open tryouts where anyone can come try out for, for the Delaware team. Those are always a lot of fun. Jeff wants to just go and block my shot. That's really all he cares about. Thank you so we much, really coach. Got your shot going. Who knows how you do? Good well, luck this summer. Look forward to having you on. Have a great summer. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. What a great opportunity for him. 28 years old. Um, you know, it just really gets the chance to work in a rising organization with young talent, with, you know, we talk a lot about the Phillies with what we do with the minor leagues, about the, the, the amount of knowledge from the coaches straight through the system and managers. You have that same type of thing with the Sixers here now where you're starting to get people who have, have studied under people who have made their bones in basketball. Yeah, the, the, the two things that, that I found most fascinating from what he said, and it's stuff, it's stuff that we learned through going to the minor league, the Phillies minor league teams, is, is the amount of preparation that goes into this. It's just like baseball when they show up at 3 o'clock in the afternoon or 1 o'clock in the afternoon for a 7 o'clock game. He's saying the same thing about minor league, essentially minor league basketball. Learning an NBA it, practice. You, you, ha- you have to learn a schedule. You have to learn a regimen. It's not just showing up and doing a shoot around an hour before a game. There's a lot of preparation that goes into it. And to me, the other fascinating part of it is is the language, is, is the fact that they are keeping a consistent language of their plays from the Blue Cloats to the Sixers so that when Furkan or anybody else goes from one to the other, they don't have to worry about learning a new set of signs and a new set of plays. It's all already in the system. So you're you're taking out some of the stress that comes from growing up and moving on to the next level. I appreciate the plug for my shot, by the way. I, look, I have no shot with any shot. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, th- I'm thinking we should go to open trials. I think you're just looking for opportunities to embarrass me. You wanted me to throw out the first pitch at the baseball game where you know I probably look, wouldn't even get it halfway uh, to the catcher. I could. Sh- now you short. want me to shoot a basket. As, as somebody that's played in a men's <laughs> softball league and by the end of the season needs a pinch runner, um, I can assure you the person that will be embarrassed if we go to open tryouts to do it is going to be me when when I have to be carried off the court have, from have a you, hammy. Have you ever heard the saying, those who can't talk about it? <laughs> well, that, that's welcome, me. <laughs> welcome to the radio show. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We, why don't you stick with us? When we get back from break, we will have our Phillies High Hopes minor league rundown with John Hernandez of the Reading Fight and Phils talking about life in baseball and life in general after uh, going back to his home area in Puerto Rico following Hurricane Maria. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon residential landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. 
with former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to High Hopes, our Phillies minor league rundown. Jeff, it's going to be another big baseball weekend. You are headed out to Williamsport to see oh, yeah. the Crosscutters. Yes, short season baseball. Way to be ready. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> tell her. Yeah, tell, look, man, you got to wake me from my naps. It, normally, you're interrupting the talk back from That's the music, right, yeah. so I don't normally have to get you to pay attention when we're coming back. I was here. emailing the blue coats. Okay. Thank, thanking them. No, yeah. we really enjoyed. No, the, no, um, I was getting in my name for the tryouts. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, no, so actually, I was putting in your name. You for should it. do that for the but, Crosscutters. Yeah. See but if, let, see let's if you can have let's a little batting practice to the high hopes portion of our show. So you will be out at the Crosscutters. Tell our listeners what is different about baseball in Williamsport than it is at some of the other levels that we've been to this season. Well, look, Williamsport has a history that's that's second to none in, the, in that that's also the home of, of the best event in kids' baseball, which is the Little League World Series. So it not only has Bowman Field, which is where the Crosscutters play, they also have all the fields related to the Little League World Series. And for a couple weeks every summer, which will happen at the end of July, I believe, that place is taken over internationally by all these kids that are coming from all over the world. I've never gone, but I series. love watching it. it. It's definitely worth it. I mean, uh, I have friends who, who live here who drive up just for the day to go to it. It's that it's that much fun. You see, you see the kids sitting on the berm and In sliding the outfield, down. Yeah. yeah, and it's not just the kids playing. It's the whole experience. I mean, I'm always worried that it's a lot of pressure on those kids, but the whole experience, as long as they keep it light, is a great experience for all of them. Bowman Field is where the Crosscutters play. is an old historic stadium. It's an old kind of woody wood stadium, and it's it's just got a great feel to it. The last time I was actually there, or the first time I was actually there, it was the end of the season, and a young guy nobody ever heard of, Cesar Hernandez, was just getting their Player of the Year award. And the smile that gets on your face when you remember minor league players that you saw that are now in the majors is is fun for me. You you have like a passion for this. I I think it just just you know it's like watching your kids grow up. I mean these aren't my kids, but it but the, you follow them, and I I got into this because my son follows them, but. I started to follow these guys, and you just you never know uh, who's going to make it to the major leagues. You know, everybody thinks that the first pick in the draft is going to be the guy that makes it to the major leagues, and you can go through the whole thing. I mean, uh, you can go through Mike Piazza as you know one of the last players picked in the draft. It, you just don't know because you, you're drafting guys, and you're or you're getting you're signing guys from 16 to 18 years old. Their bodies aren't fully grown. Their minds aren't fully grown. You don't know how they're going to handle a curveball or how their arm's going to adjust to something. It's There's so much development, which is what we see when we go to these different parks and these different levels. So, so we're going to get now the opportunity to go see where are the kids that just got drafted just weeks ago. So we're hopefully going to be talking to Alec Baum, who was the Phillies' number one pick this year. And we're going to talk to Matt Veerling who was taken from Notre Dame, and he was, I believe, the fourth or fifth round pick this year. We're going to talk to a pitcher who could become the first Russian citizen 
to make it to the major leagues. I mean, it's, to me, that's a it, the story of how he got here. And, is and that's fascinating that's what we like with this show is yes. their professional path and their their life story. And the, and I mean, and and we're gonna talk to the guy who, who was part of the team that crushed your dreams. That crushed my dreams. Yeah, Pat Porter's. Are you gonna <laughs> tell him we, that we, your co-host basically cries on the air every time the topic what, comes what, up? What I would like to do is I'm if not you crying, still have you're some crying. Of, if you still have some of the tissues from when you cried as a kid, I would bring them up and say I don't say, know why you take so much pleasure in the fact that my hopes and well, dreams he, were crushed He by did Phil it to Carter. a whole city. I mean, it wasn't just you. But I know. I just my it, it could be worse. Joe Carter could be their manager. I don't know how I'd handle that yeah it's always interesting when you have players come back that have that you feel like have done you wrong <laughs> now you have to root for them after they do that let's talk a little bit before we play our interview about what's going on at some of the levels let's do um triple a and then we'll get to double a reading before we play the interview and finish up with the other team so tell me what's going on at lehigh valley right well now. three of their guys just made the triple a all-star team one is eniel de los santos who's the guy that they got for freddie Gal- galvis that's worked um, out well for them so far, look, again, you don't know what's going to happen when they get to the major leagues, and I will help you recall your 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 love for Scott Kingery when he came up and said, oh, hold on. I always enjoy when you remind it, me of yeah. my bad takes. No, no, it's not a bad take. It, it's, <laughs> it's just it takes time. If there's I could so bring you back mu- to that time, you were wrong. Yes, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, well, there's lots of times I was wrong, so I just don't put them on the air. Um <laughs> But he has had an incredible first half. He has the top ERA in all of AAA. He's got a 1.73 ERA. He's 7-3 and three in 14 games with 85 strikeouts in 83 innings. He's fifth in AAA in, in strikeouts, and his whip is fourth. He's a 1.07. On top of that, they got another pitcher who is a pitcher who they got out of Oregon, who is Cole Irvin, or has, as he calls himself on uh, Twitter, Swervin Irvin. He's 8-3. and three. Two five four ERA, and he's so he's sixth in AAA in ERA. He's got a one point oh three WHIP, which is better than Eniel De Los Santos, and he has ninety five innings pitched and eighty one strikeouts. So you have two of the top pitchers in all of AAA baseball that are this close to the major leagues. In case look, you don't want anybody to get injured on the Philly staff, but if they are. You have them, and you still have Ben Lively so down there. Let me ask you a question. You are the manager of the Phillies. Mm-hmm. Are these trading chips, or are these assets that you want at your on your big team? Okay, so th- this is where the smile you saw before turns to a frown. Because you hate getting rid of players you like. But it, if it, you're going to look at it from a... I mean, you you enjoy breaking down these arms in terms of Philly's needs and opportunities that might be there. Mm -hmm. Which of these arms is one? I mean, it could be all of them, but just which is one that you think will end up with the big team? And which is one do you think would be desirable by another team if they were looking to make a move? I think both of them would be desirable by another team. You might even be able to get something for Ben Lively. I'm not talking a lot, but you might get something for him. But do you think that the Phillies want to move a player like that? No. No, you, you I mean, that's obviously yeah. the point of the farm team is to build your team up, to either have assets to move to get players you want on the big team or to get them well, up to what, the big what, team what, as well. But what do they say about pitching? You can never have enough arms. So you, ha- you have five pitchers right now, two that don't get past the fifth inning very much in Pavetta and Velasquez. Your boy. E- Eflin has been incredible. Lights out. It's all me. Um, Nola has been, he just got his 10th win yesterday. and has He again, was filthy. Did, did you see that split finger fastball? Th- 
when when he is on, oh my god! When, when he is on, you can tell from the first inning, oh. and and it's just he is. There were guys like when Cole Hamels would pitch, you'd want to go to the game. I want to watch when when Halliday pitched, and and I I truly mean this. Right now, Nola's as good as those guys were when they were here. You you said this to me that Nola may pitch on the Fourth of July, which means that you may go to the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look. If if they don't sell out Fourth of July, I don't I, I don't know what's going on. Can we on talk in about city. that for one second? Yeah. What's it going to take for people to come see this team? Because um, we had a lot of Yankees fans here, um, where it was full, uh, and then all of a sudden Washington comes last night. You got a team that's now two games out of first place. Young players, I get it. No Exciting stars. Play. Well, no. See, that's not true. I, I, I don't. Mean, when I Hoskins say star, is a star. I, when I say star, I don't yeah. mean star player. I mean star reputation wise. Yes. He's. I mean, Hoskins is playing out of his mind right now mm-hmm. since coming back off the DL. But he's not that huge personality that necessarily. By the way, you think it's the Magneto helmet? Look, I wouldn't change anything at that point. <laughs> he should never stop wearing that. Uh, actually, I'd like to see if the Phillies would give you a Magneto helmet <laughs> like that, and you could wear it during the show. I could or wear maybe it. we have Brett wear it. Why don't I wear it to court? <laughs> we sh- Brett will wear that because Brett puts on outfits. Get Hop on here, Brett. You you would Love do that. Outfits. Y- you, you would put on the Reese Hoskins helmet that has the flaps on both sides, right? The Magneto helmet. You might not be able to fit the mic in between the, the area there to talk, which, and, which would be an improvement. But yeah, because who wants me to talk anyway? <laughs> no, nobody really. And exactly. by the way, and by the way, since we're talking uh, uniform stuff, are those powder blues? I awesome? love the powder blues. I was texting with a friend about Best it last night. Best throwback jersey in baseball. I, and I was texting with a friend about it last night. I still I have my powder blue hat and I have my maroon hat, and I just enjoyed that color scheme. Yeah, immensely. the one the one thing now Hoskins he actually went all out. The he, blue shoes. He had the blue, blue shoes. Cleats. Jorge's got to get himself the right helmet, though. It just sticks out like a thorn. It looks like he's wearing a giant apple on top of his uniform. Any other news coming out of Lehigh Valley right now? Roman Quinn's still on the deal? Yes. Um, anybody else? Nishak's not up yet. What level is it? Nishak, Nishak was at Reading the other day. He was at Reading the he other day. He pitched fine. I uh, gave up a run, but he would. He look, that, that they're working on things. They're not working on runs when they're rehabbing, so... So let's talk about Reading for a second before we play our interview. Mm-hmm. What, give me an update on what's going on. Oh, actually, you know what? We did forget something. So so Ranger Suarez, who was at AA when we visited a few weeks ago, has ha- just been promoted to AAA. And he's an arm you like. You've followed yeah, him. Yeah, he, he's, he's a good young arm, and he is going to AAA, and he has his first start tonight. So you'll be so. watching on the MILB app? I might be. <laughs> I might. I think it's funny now for as much as you made fun of me, we both sit and watch the interleague, the minor league baseball well, app. Well, the one thing is, is there are days where it, you, we get the Allentown station, and, and the Allentown station does show the Iron Fix games at times. And if, if I'm rolling around and actually they're on, I will stop and watch that. Don't ever talk to me about Summer League again. <laughs> Tell me what's going on in Reading. So in Reading, we have um, Jan Hernandez, who was the guy that we visited. Who we're going to have an interview with shortly that mm-hmm. we'll play. By the way, mind you, we taped it a few weeks ago when there was airplanes buzzing over. <laughs> so you will hear the sound of the engine in they the were, interview. They were military, bom- World War II bombers. So yes. it wasn't like they were just little crop dusters flying. No, over. they were big yeah. planes. But but in Reading, they're com- becoming hot. They got a couple guys that are hitting now. They brought up a couple guys from Clearwater. And there's a guy at Zach Creed who was the Eastern League Player of the Week this past week. He was 10 for 24. And he had three doubles, three triples, five homers, 13 RBIs, eight runs, four walks. It's and a, a good w- week. Uh, uh, 
and a 1.767 OPS. It's a good week. He had at least one hit in each of his seven games. He's tied for the league league with 15 home runs. Derek uh, Hall's still playing well, too. Yep, he's still bombing the ball, and they brought up Austin Listy from Clearwater, and he also did very. He has been doing very well. So they, if you go to Reading, there's still some arms there because you got JoJo there, and you got some of the other ones, but they got some hitters there. there. So when you go there with the, with the getting hot, that ball's going to fly out of the park. What Charlie Emanuel call it, hitting weather. Yep. Mm-hmm. Why don't we play our interview with John? Um, why don't, you know, we talked with him, and, and our listeners will hear in a second, about more than just baseball. He's yeah. from Puerto Rico. He played winter ball in Puerto Rico. He went back there after the hurricane. And so it wasn't just about talking about baseball life. It was about life in general that we, we have with him. We thought it was an interesting conversation. So here's your opportunity to hear it. We are here at Reading with John Hernandez. How's everything going for you this year? Pretty good, pretty good. I mean, so far so good, hitting well, and you know, helping my teammates win ball games. We're here a couple hours before the game. What's it like for you to look out on the field that you get to play on every day and realize that this is your life? Awesome, man. I mean, this is my passion. This is my job. You know, I mean, I like to be here and I like to play baseball. You know, have fun every single day. You were drafted in the third round in 2013 out of Puerto Rico. In fact, uh, before the interview, Jeff was just saying he saw you right out of after you were drafted. Go he ahead. Was, he, you were just a young pup playing third base, and uh, you had J.P. Crawford next to you. Yeah. you the, the difference, just looking at you then and looking at you now, it looks like obviously you've grown, you've grown into your body. What's, what's it like to go from that time when you're 18 years old to now when when you've kind of adjusted to your body and learned that you have to do things different than you did when you were in high school? Uh, I think it's more, I mean, first of all, I'm mature. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty old right now, you know, I have to know. And then that type of a year, I mean, I'm 18 years old, so, I mean, like, once you're there and play baseball, I say, you know, I now have to hustle every single time. I have to know the rules. I have to know, you know, signs or stuff to to lead my game to to a big uh, to a building so and that's it i mean for that time i was like you know a type of guy you know high school player you know go there have fun you know smile every time just now i mean like that this is uh, this is my job right now so i mean that's it i see this to help my teammates every single night every single day and that's it What's it been like? You um, you've moved through the system. What's it like to play at the different levels? You're now here at Double A. You know, you obviously learn something different at every level. Mm-hmm. What's the jump to Double A been like as opposed to the previous leagues that you've been playing ball in? I mean, this is a this is a this is a journey. This is a learning process. You know, I mean, uh, I played twice in Williamsport, in um, in April, and then played Lakewood 2015 and 16. I played. Um, in Lakewood too, and 16, I'm play, in 17, I play in high A, and now I'm in double A. But I mean, I feel like this is more, you know, uh, I face with a lot of pitchers, and I face um, a veteran players, and uh, uh, good stuff here, you know. I mean, face up like big league pitchers um, for rehab and stuff, and I feel like this is this is a good, I mean, time to to prove yourself, you know, and uh, and battle every single night with those those guys now you seem to have adjusted from you started at the infield 
and now you're playing the outfield. What was the adjustment like, or if there was much one for you, to, to go from the infield to the outfield? It was it, it, it was good for me. I mean, this, this, this kind of pressure in third base, you have to know, you know, it's, it's kind of reaction all stuff. But now in right field, it's, it's you know, the most relaxing. You have to focus, you know, just catch fly balls and that's it, you know, and, uh, and that's it. I mean, I like more play outfield right now. Now, something also seems to have clicked in your hitting because so far this year, this seems to be your best season mm -hmm. and you're at the highest level that you've been at. So mm -hmm. what is it that clicked this year for you? I think um, I'm, I'm not thinking about any mechanical stuff and stuff. I just play the game, you know, and have fun every single night and help my teammates win ball game. That's it. And, and those parts and and I practice mechanics stuff. I'm playing with Ricks and the cage, and that's it. But now, when when I go to the the games and, and and you know play games, I just you know have fun there. I help my teammates, and that's it. What's it like? You played winter ball along the way too to play all year round. Really, not take a break from what you're doing, try and hone your craft. Well, it helped me a lot. I mean, especially uh, last the last winter ball. Um, I played 18. 18, well, 18 games in, in outfield and helped me a lot because that was the, the time that I moved from third base to outfield, so helped me a lot. I mean, it's kind of like good because you face uh, better, better players, better pitchers too, and they play in major league. So it's a learning process too there. So Who, Who's the best pitcher you've ever faced? Um, well, um, it's a lot of good pitchers there too, but for me, Jonathan Sanchez, they don't know hitter. In with, the, with the Giants mm -hmm. um, back in the days. Yeah, he he, he a better player, so he, he threw good. Now, now, now you hail from Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. and you played in the Puerto Rican Winter League, right? Mm -hmm. So last year you played, in the, this past season you played in the yes. Puerto Rican League. What was it like to go back down there mm -hmm. after the Hurricanes? Oh, it was tough, especially it was tough. I mean, usually we play 40 games in winter ball. And... Uh, Last last season we played just 18 balls, 18 games. So um, we don't have, we didn't have power, we didn't have water, all that stuff. But you know we had to grind out every single day and you know and practice your stuff and you know and that's it. Have you have you started to do anything to try to help the people in Puerto Rico? Of course, yeah. Um, I bought uh, like a hundred pack of waters for my for my neighborhood stuff and I help my family I help every single person you know close to me and it was it was a tough moment for 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 Puerto Rico so um, and we still with uh, people with no power there so that's tough but you know it's, it's natural for us you know it's, it's kind of stuff and is there is there anything that that our listeners can do or that you would suggest they do to help the people of Puerto Rico considering what they've gone through with Hurricane Maria um, I think help 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 us a lot. I mean, send out like water and all that stuff because we still with. I mean, we have people with no water and uh, we no power still. But yeah, just water and you know the basic stuff for you know for for during life. You know, when when you were down there, you said that, that there was no electricity. Mm -hmm. so, so where did you where did where did the players stay for the games? Well, usually we play in my house. I mean, I stay in my house. I bought two generators. Um, uh, 
the the American players that we, we play, they play there too, and they stay in the hotels. So they usually they have a generators, you know, and they stay good. Man. But us, um, that we stay there. I mean, you have to buy like generators for electricity mm-hmm. and uh, uh, make it online for water and for gas too. So that was a tough moment. What's the impact when you see something like that? You know, you you've been making your way up in a professional career here and you go back home and you see some of that devastation and now you're you're back here mm-hmm. trying to chase your dream but at the same time you you know about the struggles of people back home still how do you balance that and and does it make you appreciate what you have here a little bit more seeing the struggles of other people right now i have to appreciate the life i have to appreciate the life i i, I my family you have to you have to to know the family I think the most important thing here in those in those situations is know your family. You have to to stay with your family every single every single night, every single night. Um, help the the people around you. And when I when I came here, I mean, just you know, this is my dream, this is my job. But you know, my family is there, so it's the, it's a, it's a tough moment. But you know, I I have, I have to keep you know keep moving and uh, you know keep playing and, and then you know when I when I get back help my help, help again my family and other stuff so a uh, little while ago we had two of your newest teammates here you're, you're now you're now more one of the veterans you're, you're you've been here at least for a couple months these guys come up mm-hmm. do you have any uh, rituals for these guys when they when the new guys come up no 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 <laughs> yeah not yet but I mean I just I just trying to when they, when they get here you know uh, getting comfortable, you know, and uh, you know, I just tell him like, hey, play, play, play the game. That's it. Just have yeah. fun, you know. This is this is a new level. This is the new features, you know, new stuff. Just have fun. That's it. Who who are the locker room DJs? Oh, uh, definitely Grion. Okay. Grion, yeah. This, this is the that's the that's the clown of the of our clubhouse. I mean, he's he's a good teammate. He's a good person. He's a, he's a humble guy too, but definitely he can be on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So when you make it to the majors, what number do you want? Um, definitely the three. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the three. And yeah. why three? Because that's my my day of my 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 birthday, yeah. January three. Um, that's my that's the February uh, number of my mom too. So definitely the three. All right. What's your walk-up music gonna be? Oh wow! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that, but definitely something like Latin music. Uh huh. Probably, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna look forward to you and follow you. Definitely. Thank we, you. We wish you the best of luck, and thank you so much for giving us a few minutes today to talk. And uh, please keep us updated if there's anything we can do to to help out or raise awareness because what's going back on back at home for you. Thank you, Jeff. That was. Uh it was a fun interview to talk to him, but it was also an eye-opening interview in terms of the perspective that he has on life after that hurricane back at home. You learn so much from these guys, uh, and I mean that. I mean, we learned from him something, the same kind of thing that we learned from Nick Rickles, which was the defense actually hurts or helps offense depending on where you're playing. So Jan Hernandez is an example. As I mentioned to him, I saw him play as a scrawny little kid out of high school he's not a scrawny little kid no anymore. he's not and, and he, he, when he came up he was actually you know w- right after the draft 
he was playing third when J.P. Crawford first came to the Phillies and was playing shortstop, and they were both skinny little guys. And um, he's now moved from third base to the outfield, and his offense has picked up dramatically. And he said that it, you know, it, it takes a lot of pressure off not to be playing the infield because your mind is constantly at work as opposed to in the outfield where you can relax a little bit. Um, you, you don't get to take the day off, but it gives you a chance to concentrate on your hitting, and that's going to be his hallmark if he makes it to the major leagues. But the other thing, the more important thing, was the fact that this guy who he's from Puerto Rico originally, and he went back and played in this winter league where, and I don't know if he, if he talked about it in the interview, he talked about it with us beforehand, it was supposed to be like 40 games, and they only ended up playing 14. And it was because they had no power and no water. I mean, he's saying that he's living at home with a generator. Right. And then trying to go play baseball by day while he's rebuilding his home and, and making sure his family's okay. I mean, it just it, it puts it in a different perspective. We talk at athletes, and, you know, there's the perception of them, but they're, they're people, you know. <laughs> But, and they've got family, and, and and they do, and they do good things. I mean, this is a guy who, went, you know, he went back. You know, he he's now in a position. He doesn't have to go back there. He could have stayed in, in the United States up here, as opposed to down there during the winter time. And instead, after Hurricane Maria, when there's no electricity and no water, he goes down there and brings water to people that he doesn't know and people that he does know. And he's playing in a stadium with no electricity and no water. And it kind of gives the people that are there a break from their normal stress that they're dealing with. And and I don't know about you, but a- after talking to him, it just made me want to do more. I mean, people don't – we have so many things that go on in our daily lives, and Puerto Rico is still going through this struggle after all this time, and, and they're not back to normal yet. And it, it's something we sh- all should be cognizant of, and if we can help, we should help. And we did ask Redding and, and John to kind of keep us updated on any efforts that they have, and we'll put that out on the show if there's anything. But it, it was to hear him talk about um, you know, playing baseball by day and going home to generator at night, it just <laughs> it kind of it, it was eye-opening to me yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a few, few weeks ago we, we had uh, – you know, Derek Hall, who hadn't slept on a mattress in five months and slept on an air mattress. It's just the, the stories of struggle of some of these players. You, you don't. Yeah, I don't know. But they're it, not, it's not. And I'm not right. trying to compare the two. Yeah. But but the stories of, of what these players, you know, the challenges they personally face on their own journeys to try and get to the big leagues is always interesting to me because we started this show originally about the lessons that people learn from sports and and here are players that are still learning those lessons and are shaped by the life experiences they bring there and it's just it's interesting to hear it from that angle from them do you get the impression after i mean after the 20 some interviews that we've done so far is that i don't know if the phillies go out of their way to find character guys or or if they're just lucky enough to that the talented guys also happen to have character. i was gonna ask you the same thing actually they they definitely find what seem to be good people along yeah. with good players. Mm-hmm. Now, the flip side of that is the angry Twitter crowd that you like to fight with on our At High Hopes Phil's account would say <laughs> it's not about them being good people, it's about them being good players. You could do both. You can, but yeah. but what do you say? I mean, it looks at this point like they have some of those good players they have a lot of them. in the system, mm-hmm. but what do you say to somebody who says, I don't, you know, glad they're good people, I want them to be better players. They're not stars. Being a, if 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 they are a good player and a good person, 
they're not going to become a better player by being a worse person. There, there's no correlation between them. I enjoy your arguments on Twitter, by the way, <laughs> with the at Hot Hope Phil's Twitter account. If you would like to talk about it with Jeff, he would love to engage you there. Um, he has a good time for a while. Yeah, I, I just I, I just think people should realize though. I mean, twi- Twitter, just like any other social media setting, is, is something you should try to have a discussion that's intelligent. You should try it. There's no reason to attack people, name calling. I don't really have stuff. any intelligent discussions. So <laughs> I mean, so so from now on, we'll make sure that we handle the Twitter. Yeah, about, about two and a half minutes left here. Uh, let's go through Lakewood and Clearwater and give me stock up, stock down. Well, Lake Lakewood has started the second half the way they ended the first half. On fire. They're, they're they're on fire. I mean, it still shocks me that they have 17 shutouts this year. But well, one of their their ace clauses, I like to call them, Ramon Rosso who was 5-1, and 1.33 ERA, which was the third best behind his teammates. Um, he had 67 innings pitched, 81 strikeouts, so the the Phillies said, you know what, time for you to move up. And, so, and, that, and that's... So he's at Reading now? No, he's, he's at Clearwater. He's at Clearwater from yeah. Lakewood. So so that's this is the time of year, the end of June, the beginning of July, right after the team's all-star games, the, the minor league all-star games, is when you start to see this progression. So there will be some people that that we will have met that you will never see play baseball again. They will just call it quits by now. There's some guys that are just going to stay there and need more time or need a whole season at a certain level. And there are some guys that they're, they're now going to push. They're going to they're gonna give them more of a challenge because at each level there's a distinct challenge. Uh, some are hitters' leagues. Some are, some are pitchers' leagues. And, and so that's what we're going to start seeing. But the other thing that I'm impressed by is that in Lakewood, Lakewood has a catcher and Rodolfo Duran. So every time they say there's no more catchers down there, in addition to Nick Rickles and the other guys they have in their system, they have a guy who has 10 home runs at Lakewood. And let me tell you, hitting a home run at Lakewood is not easy. And he is leading the team in home runs, and, and he looks pretty Im- pretty impressive. Any stock up, stock down before we uh, – last words? Well, I, th- I think we just went through the guy that I was going to give stock up to, which was uh, Rodolfo Duran. I think he's the guy that you need to watch. Can right I now. ask you for my weekly Mickey Moniak update? <laughs> He's batting 250. Uh, he was out for a little bit. He's hit. He's hitting well. He's not hitting for power yet, but he is still 19, 20, 20 years old. So give him time. Well, I, I am excited <laughs> for you to head out to Williamsport this weekend. Uh, hopefully you do get to talk to the Phillies' number one draft pick. We've got some good questions lined up for that. Any last thoughts before we leave our listeners for a hot holiday weekend? It is the 4th of July. It's going to be really hot. Make sure you hydrate and have a lot of fun. Everybody be safe out there. And watch some baseball. Thank you for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night as we help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.